0: Welcome, everybody. This is the Solar Insights Podcast. My name is Eric Sauer. We've got Doug Franz here of Arizona Sports. How are you doing, Doug?
1: Good morning. I'm good.
0: Wonderful. We're going to talk some Suns. So let's start it off here, or easy. Um, off the topic, um, what do you think, off the top, what do you think, who do you want the Suns to draft at number four? Uh, there's
1: wishful thinking and then there's reality. Yeah, I exactly. want them to draft Josh Jackson. i I've, been on the Josh Jackson bandwagon for a long time. Whenever you're in the media, you're never privy to the interview process. Mm -hmm. And the problem there is Josh Jackson can be crazy. Uh, He's a little bit of a nut. And you have to be able to do your due diligence to find out whether or not there are problems with him character-wise. And I don't know the answers to that question because uh, I have never tried to beat up a woman's car before my life. So I don't know how one decides that's a good idea. He decided once that's a good idea. So I don't know, is that a regular thing? Is that something he does on Friday nights? Or was it just a one-time thing? And and maybe he'll grow up from the experience. But if you can prove to your owner and to yourself that this is a guy that is, is not the biggest jerk of all time, he is the best basketball player, in my opinion, in the draft. So that's who I want. Now, I think... Nobody realized what I was saying right there in January, February, March, and even into April. But as we've rolled into May and June, I have the strong feeling the other GMs are realizing he's the best player in the draft. So I'm now convinced he won't be there at number four for
0: Phoenix. Yeah, from everything I've heard, it's a very um, flat draft there. The top four or five guys are all about the same. Although most of the people think Fultz is the best player, although some people I've talked to think that he isn't or couldn't be, it's possible. Um, it's just crazy with this thing with the Celtics potentially trading it and Philadelphia grabbing it to get Fultz, and then. But who knows what, where Lonzo is going to go? What do you think about Lonzo and his dad and like the, that whole fit? I,
1: I wouldn't touch uh, Lonzo Ball until I'm getting into spot seven eight. 9-10, and I full well know if I was a general manager, that means I wouldn't get him, mm. and I'm fine, and I'm fine with that. And it's all because of LeVar. Oh, I really? I don't. I think Lonzo's a good ball player. I don't think he's great. I'm not in love with him, but I think he's a good ball player. The problem is where I drew the line was after the uh, game in which UCLA lost to Kentucky. LeVar Ball said the reason why they lost is because they had too many slow-footed white guys, mm-hmm. and. For me, I, I, the, the fact that he's racist—that's not going to drive me crazy because I just care about his kid. But what gets to me is that lets me know now that his father will stop at nothing. There's—I mean—all the other stuff was it was ridiculous hype where Lavar said he was better than Charles or he was better than Michael. Ridiculous stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. just a stupid man. That doesn't mean I can't draft your kid. But as soon as he said that about the team. That lets you know there's no reason he'll ever be quiet about any of Lonzo's teammates. And now that's fights in the locker room stuff. That's people that that's players that will come up to Lonzo and say, "Shut your dad up," or I will shut him up. And then you get into real life chemistry problems. The second problem is uh, De'Aaron Fox said it perfectly, and this is so true. De'Aaron Fox was asked, "What were you trying to do in that Kentucky?" L.A. game and he said I was trying to shut LeVar up and imagine you're an NBA player you're a 29 30 year old man and you have a situation where you're playing in your fourth game in five nights you're exhausted these are the kind of nights where you kind of take off a little bit to extend your season and now if you're playing against Lonzo you're not taking off you've added an extra target to his back because you know anything Lonzo does is going to be shown five times on Sports Center, and if he lights you up, then everybody's going to know about it. So you've added an extra sense of hype to the opponent's game whenever they play Lonzo, because they want to show Lavar up. They want to show Lonzo's not all that. That was a, it's a stupid move by Lavar. So why bring that into your team? I think Lonzo's good, but I'm not drafting.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not quite that far. I mean, I'll I think he's good if they get him at four, because then the like. I thought this was kind of an interesting take of if the Lakers spurn him and don't draft him, then he that's like where he was going to supposed to go. And then he would be more motivated to really kind of show what he can do. But I agree with the hype thing there. But it's kind of like, he's, is a talent worth that? And also the NBA is different than college in terms of interference and kind of that. But I do agree with that kind of whole thing about chemistry and then that target on the team's back or his back on that thing. Um, I'm thinking that Josh Jackson would be, of course, a great addition. Um, but also, you could get people saying Isaac or Dennis Dennis uh, Smith. Um, so that's possible. Um, what do you think in terms of if they go either if hypothetically if Jackson or one of the point guards falls, what does that do for Warren or with, for Bledsoe? What do you think?
1: I think that the time to uh, trade Eric Bledsoe is a perfect time. Run. Mm. I, I and, and a lot of people hear those words and they try to give you an error. Eric- Eric Bledsoe's career where he did all the things where people were wanting him to do. Plus, he's only got two years left on his contract. So then this is when everyone's going to be saying, yes, I'll give you the most possible. This There's never been a time in Eric Bledsoe's career he's more marketable than right now. So you're going to get more for him than if you trade him next year. And then the year after that, how do you know you're going to be able to sign him?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it
1: doesn't make a lot of sense to go into this with the wishful thinking of, I hope Eric can do this. I know Eric's a good ball player, but you're going to get more for him now than anywhere else. Now, obviously, this is dependent on the draft, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I don't want Lonzo Ball, I do believe that's who Ryan McDonald wants. So if they uh-huh. get Lonzo Ball, if they get De'Aaron Fox, if they get Markel Fultz, then you make the Eric Bledsoe trade and you have this young nucleus grow up together. If they don't get any of those players, and they let's say they go for Josh Jackson, and then they go for uh, or Isaac, I'm still wondering what do I get for Bledsoe? And mm. I would go through a year with Tyler Euliss as my point guard. Really, I, I, mm. I think Euless is a great backup point guard in the NBA. Yeah, he, it's like he'll, he'll,
0: yeah, he'll never start, but, but he'll be the best backup in the league for ten years.
1: Yeah, yeah, he'll be an outstanding backup. Player.
0: I was uh, talking with Adam Green on the podcast a couple, a few days ago. Um, and uh, that's, we did talk for like an hour. Um, we actually were talking about rebuilding and kind of all that whole, how that works and how that happens. And it's, it's kind of like a, we kind of talked. it's like through draft and then you're going to get better Then you add free agents to make you a fringe playoff team. And then you got to really get internal improvement and maybe one more free agent to get to a solid playoff team. And then that's where you're getting that last player that fits into that cog to make you a championship team. And I think that the Suns have bottomed down enough. Hmm?
1: I think think it's all about the draft. And then Hmm. free agency rarely gives you uh, a piece that's that's, that's starling. You look at Oklahoma City, it was the Kevin Durant draft pick by Seattle, then the team moved, then it's a Russell Westbrook and a James Harden pick. And then that's there's your championship caliber team, and then they decided, okay we, we can't keep all three, so we're going to let Harden go. They still were with, were up got to one finals, and they still were up three one on their way to another final mm-hmm. and and it's free agency that gives you maybe a rebounder. It's just so rare that free agency allows you to get a Kevin Durant mm-hmm. like golden state that that was a combination oh, of crazy circumstances. yeah it's crazy that uh, you have a a free agent opportunity where LeBron James says, I've enjoyed my time playing in the Olympics with these people. I want to set something up where I can go somewhere and create a championship team. Mm -hmm. And that's, as a GM, you can't count on the players colluding to come to you. So if you're the one building, I don't think you'll ever, you should ever count on a huge free agent. I think you've always got to do it through the draft and then count on free agency. As a jigsaw puzzle to plug holes where you need
0: holes plugged. Yeah, definitely. I think that there's more like a. I don't think the sun should keep like keep bottoming out, as it were. Like like just on Twitter the other day, Devin Booker was saying he wants to win, needs to win, and I think that's what we need from him to see what he's his ceiling is going to be when he has the players around him necessary to do that. So I guess where are you on like in a hypothetical, obviously situation? Of throwing draft picks and things at a the Bulls or the the Pacers for Jimmy Butler or Paul George, I you know it's different. There's a, there's a difference between
1: tanking and and wins and losses not not mattering. Mm-hmm. Tanking is the devil. Tanking mm-hmm. is, is is disgusting and it and it grotesques me openly. And I hate what the sun did this year and didn't work <laughs> tanking is when yeah is when you bench players to not win it's different when you regulate playing time it's different when you say you know what i want my young guys to play more i want to see what they can do
0: there you can play them more that's different than just outright eric blood so you're not playing anymore mm-hmm.
1: tyson chandler you're not playing anymore because then you set up a culture of losing and i don't like that yeah but when i say you don't have to worry about winning or as a general manager, that's why I'm talking about a Tyler Eulis situation where you, what is the best case scenario is to get this player, this player, this player. But now when you're in a different situation, then you don't have to worry about – you don't go out and sign, let's say, a mid-level free agent that would make your team a little bit better. Maybe you get the ninth playoff spot, which doesn't really exist. You know, one, two games out of the playoffs versus finishing 14th because you added one piece, but now you've tied up your salary cap for four years. That actually starts to butt into the window. That's that's why I, there's a separation between tanking and then giving everything. So when you ask about, okay, what's another piece that you could bring in, like a Jimmy Butler, I, I don't jump up and down about bringing in a Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler because I look at it the exact same way as an Eric Bledsoe. I don't think Jimmy Butler... Be here and be a player that's really going to be that productive at the time frame the Suns are looking at. I think you have to look at the Suns and you have to look at 2021 and you have to say, okay, I want to compete for a championship in 2021. You can't rush Devin Booker to be. Because mm-hmm. the fans are just going to say, let's compete for a championship next year. But you don't just flip yeah. a switch and suddenly compete for a championship. You yeah. have to be realistic. So, therefore, you want in 2018, you want this team to not embarrass themselves like the franchise did this year. In 2019, you should be looking at a team that makes the playoffs but pop, probably gets uh, blown out pretty easily in the first round mm-hmm. of the playoffs. And then by 2020, When I say compete for a championship, that doesn't mean you get to game seven of a championship and you lose it. I mean you're a legitimate threat, but the players probably have to learn how to get to even the conference championship level and maybe lose there. But you build like that. Fans don't like to hear that, but name a franchise that does it differently. Think about how many times Michael Jordan lost before he actually won in the NBA Finals. Mm -hmm. Think about the same thing happened with Magic. The same thing was happening with Kevin Durant, and maybe Oklahoma City would have done it later. Uh, Golden State lost with Mark Jackson as the head coach, Mm -hmm. and then changed coaches. You don't just suddenly flip the switch and say, okay, now my guys are ready for a championship, and then you win one. And you cannot rush the process. And franchises that do, They completely change gears, flood their team with free agents because they think they're close. Or you do an idiotic thing like the Suns tried to do and sign LaMarcus Aldridge. Look what an anchor, and I don't mean anchor in a positive way. I mean a sunken ship he causes the Spurs. He's been so worthless. That's the kind of rush job some teams do thinking this one player is going to save And I think Jimmy Butler's good, but I think it's going to do the same thing. What, what, so what? Now you're good enough to be a, a nine seed, an eight seed, a seven seed, and you're out in the first round. You still don't have enough pieces around him. Devin Booker and Marquise Chris are your pieces. Filled around them with other young pieces. Don't try to grab this one special free agent that you think is going to save your butt. It's not because he's Jimmy Butler's almost like too big of a piece. How is he going to fit in? What kind of chemistry issues are mm-hmm. going to be created? Let the process develop
0: naturally. Hey, two things on that. Um, one is I have this like kind of joke I say with different uh, podcasts, and I wrote it down once. It's like nowhere in the CBA does it say that you have to have your core within three years of each other to win a championship. Otherwise, you're not allowed to win one. Um, because, like, for instance, the 2014 Spurs, Kawhi was, what, like, 22? And the big three were, like, over 30? And they won. So it's like it's unnecessary. But uh, I'm kind of thinking, like, in terms of free agent destination, the Suns haven't been one since before when Nash was there. And so the question is, when do they become a free agent destination? When they, like, there's no way to get there unless you, the free agents can see your team, see, oh, they have a core here. And it's just when do you bottom out, like, if they bring in, what do you so and to push off of that? What do you think of an Iguadala coming over?
1: Um, I, I think as far as a free agent destination, uh, it, it, that that's an ownership thing. Um, when when Jerry Colangelo owned the team, mm-hmm. they were one hundred percent a free agent yep. destination, and ever since they've been owned by Robert Sarver, they are not. And I don't think. I think Robert looks at his reputation around the league as simply unfair. Like, it's unfair that that he has a reputation around the league negative. Instead of accepting the fact, this is where my reputation is, now what do I need to do to change it? That's the attitude that he has to have.
0: And it filters
1: down to, I think, one of the major free agent pieces that they have is actually Earl Watson. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I love Earl Watson. Me too. (laughs) Now, this is a ridiculous statement. I don't know if he's a great coach yet. Yeah. I just... And the reason why there's a difference is the things he says, the way he gets veterans to buy in, his ability to really know people. You can put him, you can drop him into inner city America with gun violence and drugs, and he is just fine to be able to talk his way out of there, get to know people and save human beings from that environment. And at the same time, you can put a tie on him, drop him into corporate America, and he can still motivate every suit in there to get off their buttons. Mm -hmm. He is a fascinating human being. And that is a free agent draw to play for him once he proves that he can win. And as of now, he hasn't done that. But I don't blame him for it because he hasn't been given a team that can truly compete, but he competes with what he has anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think Earl's going to be the fantastic piece to recruit free agents. And what's going to be important is, will Ryan McDonough allow him numbers but does he understand that it's Earl that is the one that can truly close the deal and that's who he needs to have in his favor he needs to be on board with that but Earl has to be smart enough to realize how smart Ryan McDonough is Mm -hmm. as a person Earl if, if he's not bought in and you know Ryan says I want to go get this guy because analytically That another dynamic that doesn't work either. So I think the Earl Watson Ryan McDonough dynamic is going to be something that's very very important to watch over the next few years as it relates to getting future
0: free agents for sure. And I I wonder if the Igudala thing would make them too good. And also, that's a veteran. That's a real veteran who's still good, who can kind of teach the right way with Jared Dudley. Because I think people say Barbosa is too quiet to really help that Chandler. And of course, Knight are probably gone pretty soon. Um so that would need that thing and I think that Iguodala could really help Warren with his defense but uh,
1: uh I think Warren's proven what he is there's an old line from Bill Parcells when a player shows you who he is believe him and and Warren's been here long enough to prove that's who he is so he is your energetic scorer off the bench
0: I I wouldn't
1: look for him to get that much better defensively if you are uh, as far as Iguodala is concerned I think it's a fantastic signing for his leadership, his championship knowledge, some of his skills, I think that's fine. That's different than a Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. because when you sign an Igudala, you're doing it just as a leadership piece. You're not looking at him and saying, "Okay, now let's win championships." Like an like expensive two-year deal. Type of guy that's too much. You're, mm-hmm. you're signing him thinking, "Okay, you're, you know you, that way he would only come for a long-term contract, so that would be four years." Mm-hmm. And is he really going to allow his game to adapt? Devin Booker or is he gonna say, hey, you just signed me to a four year deal, I'm obviously the man, you're not, and that's that's not what you want. But I wouldn't be terribly desirous of of a Dala since I already have a Jared Dudley and since I already have a Tyson Chandler. And the reason why is obviously all three play different positions, but you already have great leaders in those two. And if you have great leaders in those two, you don't necessarily Desperately need one more leader now. If you're thinking Jared's going to be moving on soon, then that would be, you know, a fine signing of of, of Iguodala. And there's no doubt Iguodala is a better player than Jared Dudley. But from a leadership standpoint,
0: you know, Jared can can hold his own with anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting for sure. And then, but would Iguodala make the team too good in your eyes, or are they still in the sense of? "Quote unquote, it's it's not be as bad as you can, but it's play as many young guys as you can to see what they are."
1: Yeah, my 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 feelings on being too good is it's more about don't rush the process. And mm-hmm. Andrew Dotlin does not rush the process okay. because he's not somebody you drop in and immediately tries to take over the team like a like a Jimmy Butler would or like a major free agent signing would. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I was so angry and and happy at the same time, angry that the Suns were going after LaMarcus Aldridge and happy that they didn't get him mm-hmm. because that's a piece that's not going to tie up your salary cap for years for a very overrated, unmotivated player. And that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't help the Sun. Suns. So, Iguodala so, isn't like that.
0: Yeah, so you're saying that maybe the best time to do that big freedom splash is maybe 2019 when those Miami picks are most valuable? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I would... Well, it's not like I have to make a trade for the, anybody. Like I don't have to trade my draft picks for the free agent signing. I'm saying the huge major free agent signing almost never works. Mm-hmm. So I would look at where are we in the rebuild and who are we bringing in and how do they adapt. I want every player that comes into this organization to be put through a Devin Booker filter. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm the GM, I'm not telling Devin this. But I have a legitimate superstar. Not right now. He's not a superstar yet. But Devin Booker has all of the pieces to become a super. Or all of, and I say pieces, in this sense I mean about him. Mm-hmm. He has all the characteristics of a young superstar that hasn't developed fully. So I want, how do you fit into this part of Devin Booker? How do you fit into this part of Devin Booker? Free agent signings are like little pieces of gold. In a cave that you can't get to. Boy, well, you really want it. You really want to go after it. But the damage you're going to do going through that cave for the gold is is not going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. So when you keep asking about you know this free agent signing or this free agent signing, it's really simple. The answer is no. I don't want any of them. <laughs> if we're bringing that guy in thinking he is the main cock, hmm. Igudala is not a main cock. Igudala is old. Igudala is a great leadership. He's a great player to come off your bench of a championship team. So mm-hmm. I love the idea of an Abu Dalla signing because he's not this big splash of a free agent. Mm-hmm. The only time big splash free agents work is when there's collusion and it's a LeBron James or it's a clear cut stud like a Kevin Durant that's crazy. And I'm not anticipating any of those guys ever saying, yeah. that I want to be a member of the Phoenix Suns. At least- you- as a GM, you just can't count on mm-hmm. that happening. It, it's That's more up to the player. The players do that. And a lot of people say, well, you've got to be prepared for it. you got to be ready for it. Well, then you're talking about either, A, being so unbelievably lucky that you're at a time when a television contract is being renegotiated <laughs> like <Yeah>. last year, <laughs> and then there's an explosion of salary cap money, which will happen once every 30 years, and I'm not waiting around for that moment, yeah. or – you get a situation like the Miami Heat where they were bad. It was it was only one guy. It was Dwayne Wade by himself. Shaq was gone. The nest was empty, and you had this salary cap space to be able to do it. And I'm not going to sit around and gut my team waiting for that one year where there's a multitude of free agents who want to come play for me in a state with no income tax, and, and, and I live on a beach. Okay? Exactly. That's what Miami has. And to my knowledge, until there's a major earthquake, we have no beach, and I'm not <laughs> driving to Rocky Point. And at the same time, we have uh, not outrageous state income tax, but if I made the kind of money that uh, Dwayne Wade does, I would care that we don't have uh, that we about my state income tax level. There's too many factors that, that the fan sits around and says, We'll just go do this. Well, did you think of this? Did you think of this? Did you think of mm-hmm. this? That Brian McDonough has to say, this is where I'm at. Now, how do I get to that next step? And it's all about draft and development. To
0: do. Yeah, I, two last quick things. Of, for me, I've been talking about this on the podcast a bunch of times, but uh, I'm, I'm seeing Devin Booker as the clear 1B on a championship team. I don't see him as a 1A right now. Um, so that's what kind of what informs what I'm talking about here. Um, I talked about, I think he's the second best player on a championship team. And the best player on a low playoff team at the floor ceiling. Like I don't think he's that so good that he's that uh, because of this two way two way player stuff. And then also, so what do you think about that? And what then
1: doesn't he do that would like? Name, you know how few you said two way player superstars. Very few superstars play defense.
0: It, well, yeah, few. exactly. And
1: it, so therefore, when you look at a James Harden who is one of the top five worst defenders in the NBA. He's not good. Would you, if James Harden says, "I would like to be a Phoenix Sun," would you say yes?
0: mm. mm I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a Harden guy as much as other people. But uh, I don't know. That's that's a weird one. I guess it's more for Devin Booker. It's like until he proves he can do it more efficiently. Which I I love Devin Booker so much. But I think that until he proves he can do it efficiently and defend at a passable level, which he can, but maybe he just needs to focus more. I'm not thinking, I'm not gonna, I'm just a, at that expectation of a 1B on a championship team. Like, that's a high, that's a lofty goal, is being the second best player yeah. on a championship team. But, but anyway, that's the, the thing. And it seems like you're a Marquise Chris guy, the last thing. What do you think? I love
1: Marquise Chris. I, I mean, you, you look at those two pieces, Devin Booker and Marquise Chris, that's championship team stuff because you have championship-level chemistry. Mm. Now, when I say these things, you have to be able to project. You have to look at a Devin Booker and say, okay, what do the Michael Jordans of the world look like when they're in their second year? What do the James Hardens of the world look like when they're in their second year? What do great players look like when they're in their second year? That's exactly what Devin Booker looks like. Mm, definitely. Right now. Does not mean does not mean he'll be that. It just means this is what they look like. Marquise Chris is the type of player, I want to see what his work ethic is. He did not come from UW with the ability to shoot threes. He's developed that since the draft. That tells me that's a player that cares deeply about his craft and has the work ethic he needs. I also love his attitude. I love how angry he plays, how mad he gets at the other team. I can rein that in. I can teach him with maturity when to use it and when not to use it. Plus, so the fact that he's a little bit of a hothead, here's the key for him. And that is to earn the official's respect Mm -hmm. and they're not just going to jump on him every time he does something that they don't like and calling fouls on him all the time. But that's only going to come with him learning how to control himself, and I believe he will. So then I get a guy that can stretch the floor with his three-point shooting ability. That's an animal on the boards, but never has a doubt Devin Booker's the star. Mm-hmm. But do everything else that needs to be done. The pairing of these two will take the Suns a long way. But everything I'm saying is three years from now. Mm-hmm. It'll take that long. But Chris is fantastic.
0: Yeah, I don't see him as an all-star, but uh, that's just me for now. I mean, that obviously can change. So I don't. That's all for today. But why don't we uh, have you plug everything? When's your show on? And uh, tell everybody that, and then I'll tell my stuff, and we'll get out of here.
1: Okay, I am uh, the co-host of the Doug and Wolf Show, which is uh, the longest-running show, uh, talk show in the city of Phoenix. Whether it's news talk or whether it's sports talk, it's been around for ten and a half years. My partner is Ron Wolfley, who was a special teams player and fullback for mostly the Arizona Cardinals. It's kind of funny. He's the only player in football history to play for the St. Louis Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, and the St. Louis Rams, because he finished his career with, with the Rams. Uh, I am a guy that uh, couldn't hit a curveball and decided I wanted to talk about other people trying. <laughs> I was a, a high school hairy athlete. I was a pretty good athlete in high school, but that was... 20 years and 50 pounds ago, so you don't get a lot of credit for that nowadays. <laughs> so I decided to be a talk show host so I could stay as close as I can to sports. We're on weekday mornings from 6 to 10, and uh, it's a, it's an amazing job, six, 15, 16 hours a day from the beginning of NFL training camp to until the NFL draft, and that's seven days a week. This is about the time frame where it's about 10 hours a day, six days a week until the NBA draft. And don't tell my boss, but after the NBA draft, I work about five and a half hours a day, five days a week. So <laughs> then, then everything changes in the, in the month of July.
0: Wonderful. Well, um, everybody, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Doug, for coming on. Um, check out the Solar Insights podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Um, and also, lastly, I also have a business called Elite Hoops Development, if you know somebody that needs uh, basketball developmental training, let me know and uh, go to EliteHoopsDevelopment.com and check us out. Thanks so much. Bye.